0: Hello, everyone. Today's topic of the Genuine Men's Chat Show is emotional intelligence. Welcome, gentlemen.
1: Hello, hello. Hello.
0: hello. Hi. <laughs> what, is, what does emotional intelligence mean to each of you? It's such a big concept and it has so many different areas that have been defined by many experts um, throughout books and research and, and podcasts. What does it mean to you and why is it important as as a man?
1: For me, um, it is uh, something that basically means that you know that your words and your actions have impact uh, on other people. And uh, I I tend to bring it down to putting uh, myself into other people's shoes. But generally, it's I think about what I do and um, what I say um, in terms of the impact it uh, it makes on other people um and uh, that's not something i was born with that's something that i had to develop over time and the reason for that was purely to get better at dating um <laughs> it, it's simply because uh, my first relationship that i was in um i learned that i was very young and the girl that i was dating constantly was telling me that i do lots of things wrong so um in the end, I kind of, after we broke up, obviously, um, I decided I'm gonna become a better human being, a better boyfriend, a better husband material, and i uh, just gonna improve myself. I got also, I had the dream to become a businessman. so I bought a bunch of books on self de- development, um, on uh, just uh, becoming a better person, becoming the best of myself. And uh, during that process, I had to learn all about empathy. I had to learn about what other people are feeling, uh, what um, are different perspectives and um, body language, um, all sorts of different things that uh, we do daily um, that we might not be even aware that we are doing or saying, which uh, creates an impact uh, on us and others. That's for me
2: basically. For me, emotional intelligence is a difficult thing to talk about because I think it's something I'm probably very bad at, <laughs> you know, um, uh, and I, I, but I think as I've got older, I've probably got better at it through just getting knocked about and having experience and then learning from that experience. So it's very much emotional intelligence for me is, is very much tied into experience and and life experience uh and through that gaining understanding uh i you know my you know uh, i was a kid i was very much into comics comic books and then you know i went to university and i read lots of books and i thought that maybe emotional intelligence well i wasn't even aware that there was such a thing as emotional intelligence because i th- and, and and the only time i think when i actually did learn more about it and things like empathy and communication and listening was when I broke up in a relationship and thought, what the hell's going on? And I, what did I do? I went and read a book on it. <laughs> so <laughs> I read a book on it and uh, and and suddenly I thought, oh right, there's different ways of listening. And I tried it and it was like after about two weeks, there was this huge revelation. Oh my God, what's happening? Everybody's sounding different. I, um, there's not the meaning, there's layers of meaning here. What's going on? So, I think it, for me, and I don't know if this is a similar experience for a lot of men, I think men are just generally bad at it. I know I was, and maybe it's just, and it, but you know, I do my best to try and learn as much as I can. Women seem to be just much better at it. I, I think it's just a female thing.
3: Anyway, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> um for me i think emotional intelligence is uh, is how you link up with others um and so uh for me one of the things that has really helped me is is my belief i'm a christian and one of the things that we always look at or emphasize is loving our neighbors now that That is not an easy thing. Sometimes you have to be very careful with who your neighbor is. (laughs) But again, just like uh, Nadim and Alan have said, it's it's something that you learn. um, And I think if you're prepared to learn um, and take that journey, um, it becomes not easier, but you start to understand. Um, So it's a thing where, you, you 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 learn how to link yourself up with others but are prepared as well to 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 take lessons because um every person we, you know people are never the same um and uh, the more you engage with people uh you realize that they are different um and and as long as uh, i think you take on those lessons and and learn and be supportive and um be prepared to take that journey then i think you know It's it's a good place to be.
4: I um, started taking a lot more notice of emotional intelligence working as um, basically uh, in the field of relationships education. So I managed to ignore it personally for a long time, but um, (laughs) certainly, uh, certainly looking at how mostly young people moving through from being children into being young adults and into adults and their handling of uh, romantic and sexual relationships on a sort of social scale as well as the individual scale taught me lots about this and then when in the 90s it began being seen as a sort of separate sociological or or psychological subject and um, the the books that Daniel Goldman wrote have you know been massive across the world since the mid 90s for me it's been easier to talk to people about this stuff and, and really to get to grips with how men in particular relate to those around them because Alan, I think it was you were saying about impact. You you know, you suddenly realise at some point that you have an impact on other people. And Nadim, you were saying that that women seem better at this. And a lot of the arguments around socialisation of of boys and girls say that, you know, and, and particularly Goldman himself, observed that girls are socialized very early to use their voice and to use reason and argument and in some case you know um, manipulation around um, what they want so in a playground girls will be much better at arguing their case and getting what they want and the young lads charge in and thump people (laughs) there is no argument they use power in an unsophisticated way and you know as as girls and boys move into their teenage years, you see a real lagging behind of, of guys being able to read a room in in terms of guys being able to vocalize what they want and what they need from a situation um, because they've just they've not had social training to do it um, and for me the the one aspect I think that's really important I've tried to build it into a lot of work that I've done over the years is this idea of self-awareness and and getting people to realize that they're never gonna get their relationships of any kind right if they don't know what their baseline is across a a range of feelings and situations, and if they don't know what they want and what they need out of life. It's very, very difficult to, um, to succeed in being contented and being happy and being a, a sort of generous, cooperative human being, if you don't know what you want and you don't know what you need to, to be happy. Um, and I think, you know, men like we've said, we, we find that a bit of a problem because um, largely, if you're the biggest and loudest in a room, you, um, you get listened to most, you get people running off and making your cups of tea for you. Um, so, largely, there's, there's not a lot of artifice or, or or cleverness around listening and giving and receiving of emotional currents uh, that are needed, until so later in life, I suppose. Um, but then, yeah, it, it's a really interesting one, and, and the elements of it, again, that we've started to talk about through this conversation of impact, you know, how, how do I make sure that my impact on other people is something that I monitor and I regulate and that, that I don't, it's not even so much upset people because you can't manage that, but how, how am I responsible for my place in the world and and my relationships and my dealings with people around me? And, And why is that even important? Um, so for some people it never becomes important and for others of us, you, know, you, you do want to have a positive impact. Um, and that, that for me is what emotional intelligence is about, that management of who am I in the world and, and how do I relate to those
3: around me in a way that we all, we all do well out of. Uh, Tim, do you think uh, that one of the challenges uh, uh, in terms of the men could be the ego and and pride that sometimes stands in the way of us um, taking these things on board and and learning and and trying to uh, find our purpose in life. Um, You know, it's that male ego that sometimes stands in the way. It's that pride. Who are you to tell me what to do? (laughs) You know, that sometimes stands in the way. Um, It's that thing where you think, you know, despite the weaknesses, I know it all. Um, and and I think that's where it becomes different between the men and the women. Uh, while the men, we've got that, the women are just soaking in everything. Um, and, and they're, you know, adjusting and flexible um, with whatever situation they're, they're, they're put in. Um, do you think that could be one of the reasons why we struggle with emotional intelligence. I
4: certainly think that there's a competitiveness amongst men that is is further forward, if you like. So it's more encouraged and allowed and, and developed as a positive in men and therefore, yeah, gets in the way of other learning about life. Um and and I think that's the other reason why, as we get older, it becomes, you know, we, we tend to mature out of it a bit. Once we realise, actually, you know, that way we were brought up as being the best at everything, that's not true. You know, we're not the best at everything. And you start to find out that when you get some knocks in life. Um, So, so for me, it's about education and socialisation and the way that the families bring up their sons versus the way they bring up their daughters and and that there's a whole history of chicken and egg around that you know why why do we want men to be certain ways and why do we want your women to be certain ways but certainly yeah i think that ego is encouraged in men definitely as opposed to humility which isn't necessarily encouraged very well in women i think what's encouraged in women is don't be angry don't be fully human. Um, don't have all your stuff out there because men aren't going to like it um so there's all sorts of reasons for it but you know traditional values of masculinity and ownership and the seat of power Um a lot of things all come back to power in um, gender politics don't they so um so yeah michael i think i think you're right and I think there's all sorts of reasons why it's encouraged And it's sad that it's encouraged so much because I think a lot of men miss out on being happy until later in life because they don't realize there's different ways of doing things. From
1: my point of view, uh, it's not just ego. I think it's also a little bit of selfishness, like this being egocentric. I just care about what I feel, what I want, um, nothing else. And uh, I can tell you that um, this like once you start getting into that rabbit hole and you become like self aware and you, you, you build up the the emotional intelligence, it becomes like having a superpower. It's like the secret, uh, to everything. It helps so much with business. It helps so much with women. It helps so much with just generally with people. Um, you can see my enthusiasm here. Um, so uh, I'm I'm not gonna lie, it actually allowed me to get a girlfriend that probably otherwise I would not be able to get because of the man I became. And it's it's almost like stepping outside of the matrix and seeing the world through different sets of eyes and um analyzing what is happening around you and literally like a superpower, you can decide what is going to happen next so i give you example of public speaking um, or speaking in general let's say you're sitting at a table with six people if you're self-aware or you have some kind of emotional intelligence you realize what people need and what people generally do some people will be bored and if you accept that you look at the people and be like oh that person is bored so i can see it i'm gonna try to direct my speech towards that person that is bored maybe i'll try to lift their spirit look somewhere else and you see a person who's kind of like they, uh, they are maybe trying to you know they're being cold, and you're like oh that person is being cold. like you 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 see people's needs that they that they have because you're you're exploring what is going on out there rather than spending most of your time in your head or in your body um, so yeah, as I said, when you, know, when you start exploring those things, what people are hearing, what people are n- needing physically, mentally, if somebody's scared, if you can feel that somebody's scared, you give them comfort. If you see that somebody's angry, um, you give them something to calm down. And it's literally like a superpower. That's how I see it. Um, if, if I'm negotiating with someone, Um, I'm detaching myself and I'm like kind of trying to see who this person is, what they care about and it really, really
4: works. And On that sort of subject of empathy, which is what you're talking about, um, the other important thing for me is the ability to to be able to accept the experience of somebody else as, as valid and not try and change it um or always give them what they need, but to, to sit in the moment with somebody and it'd be okay because um we do try to fix things or move things in, in other people towards an ideal um which isn't always the best for them or for us really. So for me one of the important bits of this is to say, right, that's somebody else having their experience and that's okay. You know, that is their experience. And that helps me to, to try and only take responsibility for, for my bit, if you like, and allow them to have their responsibility for their own feelings and their own position in the world and their own experience. And rather than do things for them, to to allow them to to have my reaction, if you like, or my response to where they are just to be a a measuring stick rather than something that needs them to change. Um, And I think that's made it in some ways quite difficult to be a parent um, because, you know, there's a fine balance with with kids of what you need to do for them and how you teach them to be themselves and and to have the pain of growing into experiences um, so that they're equipped themselves to deal with it. So for me, one of, the, one of the downsides, I suppose, of knowing this stuff and having thought about it, you, you can't unknow it. You can't go back to being somebody that says, I don't care, yeah. you know, this is how it's gonna be, and I'm just doing it my way. Oh so, yes, I,
1: I've been there too. One the
4: yeah, <laughs> One of the struggles for me is you know, trying to get this right with kids under 10 who are rapidly approaching that sort of fixed way of thinking. And to try and get in there quick with openness and self-awareness and acceptance of others and all this stuff. So it's it's a, a burden as well as a blessing, I think.
2: Yeah, I, I I mean I agree with everything Tim is saying there, and um, I look back on my younger self with real embarrassment. <laughs> but I guess it's just it's just it's just part of a process where I guess you become more aware um but uh I, and I guess there's that just just gaining that experience um but again it's it's you know getting that experience without having to go through the trauma of something uh would be great um i mean i just uh um you know I, but without that trauma, I don't know whether I would have had any kind of real stimulus to actually learn whatever it is i needed to learn and maybe in terms of my education it would be if i could teach younger people that instead of a place you have to get to because as i was growing up it was always about doing rather than being you know it was always about doing something doing the exams doing the job doing getting that even the girl was getting the girl and and you know forget that they're a human being with other emotions and a mind, no, I was just getting that, I've got a girl, you know, um, and uh, I wish I'd, I'd realized that it was about being and being myself. And people always said that. They always said that in movies, didn't they? Just be yourself. And I, it's taken me now to understand what the hell they were on about when they said that. What do you mean be yourself? you know so anyway i i i I wish there was some way to get young boys to understand that myself at that age what that means to be yourself uh and that it actually that people will actually like you for that (laughs) people will actually respond to that be yourself you know so anyway that's all i can say about that
1: (laughs) i i like the concept of being your best self so, so basically you, you do everything you can to bring that good side of you, um, that positive side or having positive impact on others. Um, that helps more than just broadly saying be yourself.
3: <laughs> I think for me, <clears throat> it's understanding your purpose. Um, when you understand your purpose, then you're able to have that impact. With the people around, um, I think sometimes because we under, we struggle to understand our purpose. That's the reason why we, you know, uh, we we struggle with the relationships. We we you know we end up making mistakes here and there, and, and we, we we are looking to be something else that we are not, and 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 so it causes a bit of confusion. But if you understand your purpose, um, because I believe that every single one of us has got a purpose, every single one of us has got a reason uh, as to why they are up. And so if we understand that purpose, then we're able to, to create, have that impact with people around us. We are able to support uh, the people around us. We are able to, to guide those that are around us uh, purely because we understand um, my purpose, uh, we understand our purpose. I I actually
2: am happy to admit that I think I'm very bad at dealing with emotional intelligence. Um, uh, But one thing I have realized over the years is that, you know, it's, um, I I think one thing is uh, understanding the what the, the kind of emotional um, sort of weather that somebody else is going through but also trying to understand the emotional weather that you yourself are going through mm. so I think there's this, this for me there's definitely two parts to it and I think um, you know and I, I, I don't know I mean I'm no expert in this but I wonder whether you can really understand what somebody else is going through until you've experienced that situation or that emotion yourself and not just experienced it but I think distinguished it you know if one you know you I think we all experience emotions but there's a point where you suddenly get what that emotion is and what that was um so that's something that I think and I for me that's I think probably for most people I would I would think it's a work in progress um I I I I just as a guy I just noticed that my wife is so much better at it than I am Um, and most women seem to be better at it than most men. I know people talk about women's intuition but I always think that simply means that they're just able to read things better and I think that I mean I'm gonna sound really old-fashioned now but I think that's why women are better at being mothers than men um, because they are in tune with that and um, and I don't know whether, whether that's just a natural biological thing or, or, or women are just more, you know, uh, are just trained amongst other women to do that. I, I think it's a, it must be a biological thing, but anyway, that's, what, that, that's my bit on it.
5: <laughs> and it. You know, there's so much of that that I think I can definitely uh, relate to. I definitely think that it's an it's a, like, ongoing journey and that you become kind of more and more emotionally aware. Uh, through each kind of uh often through quite like traumatic experiences sometimes you know you like you suddenly realize that there's something that you've done or there's something that you've not done and um you know you really start to empathize and i think that's where a lot of the emotional intelligence eventually comes from is that you're you're able to understand and, and empathize with where they where they've come from and that's not always about agreeing and i think that's been a big thing um in my like progression is feeling like like i maybe can't emotionally relate because I don't agree with the, the the facts or I don't agree with the situation but remembering that you don't have to agree to be empathetic as to why they feel that that way um i mean I definitely think that um the that that was not my that was not my early life experience at all and that uh, like you know you you ask Reham, you know where did where did this where did this come from and I think that um It came from getting it wrong constantly, and then you know trying to compute why the response I was getting was not the one I thought I should be getting, and then trying to you know develop more and more depth to that, I suppose um, and then also being honest with yourself, I think sometimes, and you know I recognize that you know, I think we're all a bit you know we're all a bit odd, we're all a bit strange and we all do things that are a bit irrational and crazy sometimes. And I think relating that back to the fact that, you know, I have to empathize because if someone was to judge me in my most, like when I do something a bit unusual, then I'd hope that they'd be able to appreciate that too. So it's, you know, and that's, I think back to, you know, what Dr. Reham said about yourself, about uh, Dr. Nadeem, sorry, um, about the, um, about, about being compassionate and, and kind of aware of yourself as well is, is, is important. Um, I also think, you know, th- for me this year as well, um, I think that no doubt when like things like the Me Too movement come along, it makes you question. Uh, I think when the Black Lives Matter movement, particularly this year, again, it makes you confront yourself, and it makes you ask yourself, are you are you doing enough? Um, are you being as empathetic as you thought you were being? Um, and I think that's it is that yeah, that's what you have to just continually do is just keep checking yourself. And, and and realizing that there's more to more to learn.
1: I agree. And uh, what I want to say it's like especially when you when you said that you learn about this stuff when you get things wrong, um, and those moments are very painful. Dr. Nadini, also mentioned that, like, and and Reham, you did too. Sometimes it's like those traumatic experiences, and I'll give you a perfect example for that. Um, previously, I mentioned that you know um, I learned started to learn uh, an experience that in order to become better at dating uh, because my first girlfriend was pointing out the wrong things that I was doing in my life and then I wanted to attract uh, uh, a girl uh, and I noticed the better I get with emotional intelligence, the better I get with with girls in general. But that wasn't really what what caused the dramatic change that happened over the past few years for me. Um, What that was, was a conversation with a friend that I had, a male friend uh, at a beer, at a bar we had a beer and we were drinking a beer together. We worked together in a restaurant and we had a beer together and we sit there. We're, we're, we're quite close friends. And he says to me, you know what? Um, nobody at work likes you. Wow. And, and like, I, it's also almost like a slap in the face. I felt, like an unbelievable pain, and I was in shock because, to my mind, I'm a good person. I didn't hurt anyone ever, and I felt in inside of me, in my mind, I thought people do like me. I'm not trying to to people to like me, but I, that I'm a person to be, you know, that that people would enjoy to be around, and you know, people are not pretending anything were they around me. And just generally, you know, just those, those positive things that I think a person would just think about themselves. And then he, he, you know, shattered my world with those words. And what happened, especially, there was some people at work that I really liked, and I fought, uh, felt like maybe they could be my really good friends and that we're getting along and that we're having fun. And in that moment, it made me think that maybe those interactions that we have at work are kind of fake, that those people are pretending the smiles and they're not really who they say they are. And uh, yeah, and it's, it, so in that moment, it was like this uh, pain, the, the, the reality was completely des- destroyed. And for about you know, a few days, I was, it shook me so much that I, for, for a few days I was, I was trying to understand, like, how is this possible? And uh, and I was as as I was going to work, I was trying to observe people, and I was asking my friend, "Can you tell me what what is wrong? What am I doing wrong that you know people are uh, feeling this way?" And then he gave me some examples. He said, "Well, you are a talker. You you talk a lot, and you don't follow through on what you say, what you do." And then. Um, there are certain things uh, that you say, or certain things that you do at work that you know don't consider people's emotions or don't consider people's um, situation or whatever. And he gave me a perfect example for that, um, which was uh, every day at lunchtime, uh, we would get served our food. I was a waiter and we would get served our food. And after I finished, um, I would go to the place where they wash dishes, um, and you know we had a person who worked there um, washing dishes. Funny enough, not long ago, I was washing dishes myself, but um, in that moment where I finished my meal and I wanted to put those dishes away, I didn't have to, I could have simply washed the dishes myself or at least acknowledge the person who's gonna wash the dishes after me, and I didn't. I just chucked them there like I was, uh, you know, mm, uh, they, that they were supposed to, that was their job to wash those dishes. And uh, without consideration for that person's feelings, because yes, that's their job, but at the same time, they don't have to really clean after me, they clean after the customers. And, you know, I just gave them some more work to do. So he told me, if you consider this person, he's washing dishes and you don't even look at him that he's gonna wash those dishes for you, um, he's gonna feel really bad and uh, he's gonna hate you for that. And uh, it it reached me, the, the information got through finally and I started to realize, wow, there are things that I do that yes, absolutely could, you know make people feel this way so i took it almost like a mission afterwards to fix everything that i've broken over that time and it took some time and i had to swallow the uh, you know the, the guilt um, and just kind of work really really hard to recover and then maybe it took me about a month or two But then people started slowly uh, talking with each other and I overheard some voices saying, did you see that Alan changed uh, so much? He started to improve and and did better things. So uh, I liked the feedback and I also kind of really realized that maybe there's other things that I can improve. And I took it up on myself. I was starting to reading. I did other things. you know over the years to kind of become better with people and now after those years that was like seven years ago um i'm not saying i'm super amazing and great but i'm definitely much more self-aware um mm-hmm. and uh, even though um yes there are experiences that i couldn't really totally relate to because i didn't go through them i can get pretty close i really developed some empathy and some mm. understanding towards people. And I'm really proud of that. I think it's very useful in life. It helps in my job because I film people, so I need to understand what people are going through and I film them. And In general,
5: that was the kind of journey, but it
1: started with pain. Mm. And I think it's very important to
5: know that. And I think you made a, like, a really good point about like, having to like, surrender something for yourself. You know, you're like your ego, you know, often been like having to accept something that actually initially feels really, really, like really harsh and actually probably wasn't delivered in the most emotionally intelligent way. But mm. the either even still, you're just, you know, confronting the fact that, you know, that I need to surrender my ego in order to move forward. Um, and I think it's really funny because only for me in the last couple of years, have I learned the absolute power of like controlling my own ego and that, Like, if I surrender my ego first, then I I remain in control of the situation. And it's actually something that people are really afraid of because it's this perception. But, you know, you've got control over the situation almost all the time, um, even when it feels really difficult. And that doesn't mean that in the moment you've always got control, but it's that time to, like, step back and reflect on it. Um, I think that's been one of the biggest kind of the, the ability to see situations progress towards the positive outcome has often resulted from a decision I've taken personally rather than something I've forced someone else to, to you know, submit or, you know, to prove that I was right and that they were wrong. Um, you know that it ultimately ends, ends up not being sustainable.
2: I mean, just uh, absolutely, you know, all of that rings absolutely true. And uh, when you were saying that, Alan, about, you know, this person saying to you that nobody likes you. I mean, I really, that really hit me because um, you know to be told something like that is like a that's, that's like a hammer blow. And I don't know. I mean, I was kind of curious as to whether you asked for the information or whether it just came as you know he just said it. I mean, or whether you were looking for some sort of feedback or or kind of acknowledgement. Or I, I didn't you know, ask
1: for it. I didn't no. ask for it. I think it just came out just because we were, you know, after a few beers, uh, we were just talking about work, about people, and it just by the way, I think nobody likes. I don't <laughs> remember exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember this. This stuck with me for a very long time. It really hurt.
2: <laughs> I, I I get it. I mean, I I mean the the thing was that that resonated with me this week because. I had a strange experience where um, I got, you know, you get these WhatsApp groups and people send you these kind of invitations to various groups. And I got an invitation from my old school. Now, I used to go to a very, I'm not going to mention the school's name, but it was a grammar school. It was a fee-paying school. Um, And at the time that I went there, I was the only brown-skinned Asian kid in the whole year. You know, I went from a school, it was like a comprehensive state school where, you know, there were loads of people like me. We were having a laugh. We were like, you know, I wouldn't say feral, but we just didn't feel self-conscious or anything. And then suddenly I went to this school where there were all these very middle-class kids whose parents would go to Switzerland at the holidays to ski and stuff like that. And, you know, they were, you know, know, their, their parents were whatever they were I mean that's the stereotype but they were they, they they had they had a lot more resources than I did at that time and, uh, I, and I was the only Asian kid and I found it quite difficult initially to just fit in I did fit in um, and eventually it was all about getting the exams and I got through so anyway I got this whatsapp group I became a they, they added me on and suddenly I I had a few interactions with a few of the people from that era and we're talking now people in the 70s you know 70s you know maybe early 80s that kind of thing and I suddenly started getting these really angry feelings and you know and I and I couldn't quite figure out what was going on and then what I realized was that when I went to that school I had to kind of I feel like I had to kind of kill off a part of me to in other words to get on with everybody so I had to kind of uh, I don't know. Funnily enough, I think maybe was it emotional intelligence or was it just survival? So I had to, to survive. I had to be a
5: certain way. Yeah, the, uh, I've been. So this is a funny thing that uh, is part of my uh, like emotional intelligence like development process is that um, I only got a co-founder a few years ago. And it's a thing I've had to learn, which is to not interrupt because it's a thing. And, it's, and I almost have gone so far in the other direction i i literally wait till people are completely finished speaking and it's in it, in it and it's something i almost need to train myself out of in social situations which require more like jumping in but i'm so used to meetings being like i will say nothing until they are i'll let them say everything they want to say and then i'll speak um but that's I've i've only adopted that in the last like two years probably
1: it's interesting uh, because you say that because it's, it's like I, I find myself in similar situations. Like you're too self-aware, you're just like you're so self-aware that, that you know exactly what's happening, that you know all your shortcomings and all the things that you're doing wrong. One of them could be the interrupting people, that you will never, ever, ever interrupt person ever again. And you just kind of limit yourself uh, in interactions because you don't want to do that. And it's kind of like... Yeah. You know, uh, very meta situation.
5: Yeah, exactly. It's, it's finding the middle ground. I think that's what all this is about. Ultimately, is that it's not about you know there 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 is like you know everything's on like a spectrum. So like you know you're not there is no absolute point. And I think that learning that is that you know sometimes you do you fall back you know into an extreme, and you know and in order in order to kind of climb your way back into some level of 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 um, normal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: Whatever um, normal is,
5: yeah, or a new normal, you know, hopefully. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the, yeah, and I think that's the thing is, is the thing I've learned is not to be too harsh on myself, um, because when you are quite self-aware, you can find yourself being really self-critical, and and I think that um, that's something that I like. I catch myself doing is saying like in in my head saying some really quite like unkind things. I'm like I would never say this out loud to another person. So I don't know why I've just said it to myself and I'm I'm trying to catch myself doing that um, and, and trying to give myself a break sometimes.
0: You bring up such a powerful point point. Um, and the program that I'm running right now, it's a six-week program on exactly that. It's about catching yourself and building your resilience um, around the messages that we tell ourselves. So this is part of the self-awareness component of emotional intelligence when we speak to ourselves in such a negative way that we all do um catching ourselves is so important because what it does is it breaks the cycle it's it's a pattern interrupt as they call it and what happens is when you interrupt that pattern you create a different neural response Mm -hmm. so your brain then processes it in a different way it almost can if, if you do it often enough it will create a new pathway in your brain. So the connection that we have with the negative thoughts and the negative uh, self-criticism or self-judgment that we uh, direct to ourselves becomes the less paved road. And the Audubon that's created becomes the new one because we're practicing again and again to create that solid foundation of I am worthy. I am better. I am my best friend. I will I could not say this to uh, my best friend. Therefore, I I will not allow myself to say it to me. And and creating those boundaries of self-compassion and self-protection is so essential. Again, it's all about balance because what can happen is our ego kicks in. And 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 so it's that, that balance between am I being egotistical? Or uh, and prideful, or am I really balancing the equation so that I'm investing in my own mental well-being? Mm. And, and then, when my mental well-being is is Im- impacted, then I know that I'm not speaking or dealing with myself in a compassionate way. And that's counterintuitive to the emotional intelligence that we offer others and ourselves. Sorry, go ahead. Um, I
5: was just going to say that you know, like I think that um, social um, kind of norms can make that really difficult sometimes because when the social so I know like you know growing up um, that the the social norm was to put each other down all the time and to be self-critical and uh, to be really hypercritical of everybody else as well you know if someone wasn't doing the right thing you know you got social points for telling everyone first that they they had it wrong and so when you're so used to giving that out then you don't even notice it when you're giving it to yourself. And then you stop even noticing it sometimes when other people are giving it to you and you just completely normalize a really toxic um, like attitude. And then you, then, you, then it becomes just like your, it becomes your expectation for relationships. And it, and it is, and you, and you see it on repeat again and again. And it takes sometimes a really hard like moment for you to almost snap out and then be like, you know, suddenly you're, you've got a bit of perspective and you can see it for the first time. And then it's and again, it's all this stuff is very confronting. And I think that's the that that's the hard bit. So I guess that's why sometimes we don't deal with it, is because it is very confronting and it requires it requires a lot of emotional energy.
0: Absolutely. I know Dr. Nadine, you mentioned uh earlier that um sometimes women seem to have more emotional intelligence than men. It's it's all about practice. I, I can guarantee you that research has shown and proven that women are socialized, as in programmed and conditioned, to be more emotionally intelligent. However, what happens is we tell our children, our boys, to be specific, when they're about four or five, don't cry, man up, you know, hide your emotions in whatever messages that it comes in. And then... We tell them when they become teenagers, no, show your emotions. No, exhibit those feelings that you have. Articulate your emotions. But they've lost that skill. They've been desensitized um, to their own emotions that they're only mirrors of other people's. And like you were saying, Dr. Nadine, y- you um, kind of had to wear masks when you were in school so that you can survive. That is what I think potentially could deplete someone's emotional intelligence, because you're such on survival mode, your brain waves, the hormones that are gushing through our bodies, the adrenaline that continues to pump, and the cortisol diminishes our ability to learn, our ability to retain um, memory, Around issues that we've experienced that cause us trauma or cause us difficulty. So what happens is, and I know you're the doctor, so you're going to fill us in on this um, in in more detail. Um, but from my my humble uh, knowledge reading and reading and 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 learning, I've realized that the more we invest in ourselves uh, with compassion, as we were saying earlier, Bruce and Alan, um, and and we're more aware. Of how we interact, and it's that split second moment where you can choose to continue the habitual social uh, pattern of being on autopilot, and you know, chastising or belittling or even ganging up on, verbally bullying other people, and being you know, and and letting that be the way that we uh, practice one-upsmanship. As a method of alpha male syndrome I'd like to say um, so that we're we're the the macho man we're showing that we are uh, obviously I'm not a man but we as in the men that I work with uh, often talk about you know we are proving our worth but is that really worth I'd love to hear your input
2: um are you saying that it's is it is it worth doing that um is that the question you were two-pronged
0: asking? so is it worth doing it it what's the cost to, to men you know when when you mm. do this and then the, the second uh, approach would be or the second way to look at it would be well you know is it is this common amongst men to to appear as the alpha male it's almost like when a man walks into a room they're almost like they're spreading their 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 shoulders wider to just create a space of figuratively obviously to 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 show that they're the alpha male so that there aren't attacks there isn't the bullying there isn't the you know the demeaning behavior coming their way and i've heard this repeatedly again and again and again from boys and men so I'm just curious to know what each of your experiences are, and Dr. Nadim, from a from a medical perspective, what are your thoughts as well?
2: Well, I I, I can I don't necessarily know from a medical perspective, but I, I and well, I'm a GP, so I'm not uh, you know I can't tell you about the scientific endorphins and things that are going through, but I can tell you that you know my waiting room, you know at least once a month, two two or three times a month, I'll have some mother that will bring her little kid in who's being bullied at school or and now actually what i'm finding is i'm finding older girls coming in who are being cyber bullied which is of course something that something new and something some of it is actually horrific you know where the you know the, the, they're being filmed and then this is being passed around and i've had this quite a few times now and um and and i think from my own experience of the, the whole playground and being bullied. And then I, I think I got cut off when I was talking about my school. But I was the only Asian kid in the whole school. And I think there is something about the, the predatory nature of the playground. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's the way I see it. But, you know, and it may be just the way that I see it. But um, where if you're genuinely open uh, and, and you have your defenses down, you're, you're going to be sniffed, literally sniffed out by these predatory bullies. And unfortunately, um, yeah, I mean, um, in that situation, you, I suppose, have to put on, eventually you realize that you have to put on some kind of suit of armor or, you know, strong suit. And, and, and I had to do that in my own experience, you know, where I had to put that on. And it was basically, I had to learn to be physically tougher. You know, I did martial arts. You know, I looked at Bruce Lee as a as a, <laughs> a role model and Muhammad Ali. And I had to literally punch someone um, to survive. Now, all of that's great. Um, and it sort s- solves a kind of short-term problem because suddenly you're not getting bullied. But the problem is you forget why you put that suit of armor on then in the first place. And so then you're walking around hyper-vigilant and you're walking around you know, thinking that that's how you solve problems. And of course, it doesn't It work that way and it doesn't work in every situation. And this is the problem, I think, with... with with, I I think whether girls are socially conditioned, but I think I just find they have a quicker turnaround. They're able to see where that emotion works and it doesn't work. My wife says that, you know, women are just more, much more manipulative and they're able to... Because they have to be. Because they have to be, and I, you may disagree, but she says, "Well, they, we have to be to in order to get along and to to survive and to and and you know and and I think sometimes I, you know I, and I wondered what she meant, and I thought, well, in Britain, you know, if you're on your own, yeah, there's the welfare state, you know, people are going to pay you pay you x amount of money to get by, but if all of those supports are taken away, what would we have to rely on? so i i do wonder whether you know you say they're socialized maybe women have to be more than men um and anyway in my own situation i think uh with that i think the problem is that you you find that strong suit that suit of armor that works in that playground situation with that bully and unfortunately you forget that you put that suit of armor on you forget that that's the defense mechanism you created uh, for a specific need and unfortunately then you know it doesn't work when you're in a relationship with somebody and you have to be empathetic to you know your wife or your girlfriend or whoever or even your mother um and I think this is the problem with 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 guys that if they don't learn how to put that suit of armor on I feel that they're just going to be oh god almost eaten alive um and then so what so, so, but it's I, th- I suppose it's about teaching them that, look, it works in this situation, but you don't have to do that everywhere. I guess that I guess that's the thing.
5: you know, I'd say, I think that I, I couldn't relate more to that to that as a as a kind of like, you know, I think Rihan we were talking just the other day, and I, and I explained school as prison rules. Um, and that's how it, that's that's I mean it's like my uh, partner studied criminology, so we watched a lot of prison. <laughs> related documentaries. And every time I look at it, I go, pr- prison is just a very extreme version of some of the, like, the social expectations in, in, in school. You know, it's things like, you know, as you were saying, if you, if you show a certain level of vulnerability, then you are vulnerable to either verbal or physical attacks. You know, attacks is a, is a strong word and it, it comes on a spectrum but you you have to be responsive to that. Um, And I certainly know that my experience is that, you know, Riam, you were talking about the alpha male and that kind of expectation. Well, my school life embodied that. That's what I tried to be very much so. And, um, you know, I very much built up the characteristic that I felt I needed to survive in what was a rough school that I came from a, A slightly nicer area of the areas, and the other areas uh, that were there were were actually exceptionally deprived areas, which which makes for quite a mix when you've got um, some very affluent areas coming together with very um, and that's that's the story of of Scotland's catchment areas and schools, right? And so having to manage in that environment, knowing that in myself that I'm actually quite an emotional, creative person. Is that I then manifested that as someone who, you know, I, I wasn't afraid to, to 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 get into an argument. I wasn't afraid to get into my my go-to was very verbal. I was exceptionally argumentative and exceptionally good at it as well. You know, and I felt like I was good at it anyway. And you know, that model of dominance is so prevalent, and it feel you feel under an intense amount of pressure to 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 do that. Um, and so you know physical fights in school were not uncommon for me because if someone was to confront me then that was an attack on my ego that was an attack on how I viewed myself in school it's an attack on how I thought other people viewed me and if I did not respond to that then I felt like I was in danger one way or another um, and you know I remember this um, this time when I uh, ended up in an argument with someone frequently people who were older than me unfortunately and Um, actually happened to be an older uh, girl within the school. And her response was to then tell me, you know, who she was going to get to batter me, basically. Um, And that's actually, uh, in my context at that time, a pretty serious threat that she was levying against me. Um, But I wasn't someone to then just like, you know, I wasn't going to uh, fall back into the shadows. So my response was to go full hell into this situation. And anyway, it escalated to this guy, uh, who was older than me, um, confronting me in the school. And it, it managed to get broken up because it happened at lunch, but then for the rest of the day, this guy intimidated me. When he walked past me in the hallway, he would bang into me and he would throw me about. And it was it was very, very, very intense for me for for, for that, that day. The following day, I didn't tell any, anyone at home about it, but I went home and I was anxious all night, except it worked me up to an absolute frenzy. And I thought, I'm doing something about this tomorrow, one way or another. And I I drew upon what my um, very Scottish grandfather used to say, which was, um, and it's not advice I follow now, I have to say, uh, but it was win, lose or draw, fight. And that was his message to me, which is that it's not about winning, it's about confronting. And, you know, the next day I went into this guy was at the break time, didn't tell anybody else, but went to confront the guy and the key was not telling anyone else because I had told everyone else I planned on confronting him, then everyone would have got up and a crowd would have followed me outside and it would have been a much bigger theatre experience. Instead, I went up to the guy and just said, what's our problem? And he must have decided in that moment that he didn't no longer wanted the problem. And I definitely didn't want a problem. And he just said, should we just be sound? And I just went, yeah, okay let's do that and it was a moment of when outside of the theater of it all when it was just the two of us having a conversation and actually just saying do we want this to escalate do we want this to be anything more and it's so funny I think seeing two two uh, boys who are fighting over some kind of alpha thing suddenly being in a position where neither of us want this neither of us want to be in this situation and that if when you know In private, you were able to just end it, and that was it, faded away into the distance, never had an issue with the the gent again, and that was the end of it. Um, But I think that as I've developed is realizing how do you confront those situations without that response? And actually, it's like you should, you never have to get into it. There's so much you can relent to early on that that maybe doesn't enable that. But I think that I wouldn't know anything about who I am today had I not been through those those what feel like very scary and intense moments and feeling physically confident enough to do something about it and that for me as a a man is still important to me I think that I feel uh, confident and strong as physically strong and confident and emotionally strong and confident and those two things are the thing that, that give me a very quiet and a very quiet genuine confidence where I don't actually know I no longer feel like I need anyone to know because I've convinced myself, and that's actually all that really matters to me now.
1: I mean, I can totally relate to what you say. I think we are very similar in in uh, th- those kind of scenarios. Uh, it's and it's not just school. It sometimes happens to me now. I tend to go play football um, quite often, and they get some you know heated situation on that football field. And uh, since I'm very passionate about it, I tend to sometimes. Go a little bit overboard with aggression, and uh, we get to points where there is almost fighting, or sometimes there is uh, some fighting happening um, with the boys. And um, it's interesting what you said about like sometimes you 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 come to this rag- rational conclusion like Do I want this to happen? Because I was never afraid to stand up to someone who is bigger and stronger. I'm quite short. I'm skinny. Uh, and even if it's uh, someone who is bigger i thought I think it's about the courage um so you had the courage to stand up to that guy uh without the theater like you said and and uh, all that nonsense and that gave um some respect uh you know in in the eyes of that guy that gave created like a sense of respect and uh yeah and i think That is important to have the courage to stand up for yourself. Um, But going back to like the emotional intelligence part of it is that I think it's all about the balance. So, um, yes, I believe certainly there's like a macho thing going on there. Um, Guys are trying to show the dominance who is higher uh, and, you know, trying each other. do making standoffs and being like, Yeah, yeah, I wanna punch you. Yeah, you wanna punch me? Yeah, I wanna punch you. Okay, so let's go. So let's go. And then 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 get right into each other's face and then obviously nothing happens, right? <laughs> so so that's that's quite common. It's quite yeah, uh, common. We, we've seen this so many times, right? And then you start to think in that moment you have to make a decision. Am I following it through? What's gonna happen? And so on. And um so when Emotional intelligence, for me, it comes up to that moment where you're, or even self-regulation, I think that's what you would lead to, uh, Reham, um, is when you can, in that moment, you can stop yourself and think uh, what is the consequences of that and for you and for the other person and how far this can go. Because um, like for me, and, and I admit, sometimes it still happens to me to this day when I I get really you know, I heat up uh, in a moment and I'm just, that's just, I'm on my way. I'm on my way with my hand up. Right. And in that moment you start to think what's going to happen. What consequences could, you know, this uh, lead to. And then maybe if you're on the street, if that person's got a knife, uh, if there's someone, you know, with you that you're going to risk their safety, um, where the environment you're in. So you kind of have to control yourself. Uh, and this is like very like split second, very fast information, very fast thinking process. And I think it's important to have balance. And last time I th- I said having emotional intelligence is like having superpower. I think in this case, maybe with the women being better at it, I would maybe even consider this like another language, like learning another language. and if a guy can learn that it's it's almost like he's speaking another language that he could use to speak with women and other people and i think parents should potentially teach their kids this language so like literally as a parent uh, like a father or a mother um sit down with your boy and be like now we're gonna talk about what is happening in this other person's life or ma- head, and this is what they're thinking or might be thinking, these are the consequences of blah, 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 and just kind of go through this kind of stuff like they will be, they will be learning a language.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, that's interesting what you're saying there, um, Alan, about um, you know, teaching the young children, because I think, I mean, uh, I've got a, ten-year-old and I remember that when he was at nursery they did or primary one I think, or primary two they were talking about emotions and he came back saying to me something about oh you've hurt my feelings and it was like a new thing he discovered now and I went, what and, I, and, I, and I, so I think that there is something that is it's being recognized now at least I hope it is um, but certainly when I was growing up there wasn't any of that at all um even the word you've hurt my feelings it just wouldn't have come up at all i mean um but that applies usually
1: quite... when somebody sorry like it it, it applies like these days this is thrown so much around that it almost makes you uh, con- considered as a weak person if somebody hurt your feelings now what i'm thinking is more like if I have that standoff with a guy who I was playing football and I'm like literally going at it and then we, we nothing happens, we finish the game and I'm going home, I think, what was this guy thinking? Like, oh. what, what would that mean to him? What, um, what ha- has been going on wrong in his life that he got to this point where he did such thing he said something to me, did he mean it, and so on. And because yeah. of that, it makes, it makes it easier not to de- then follow through with any threats or anything that, you know, like violence or anything, mm. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah.
5: It's, uh, it's funny because you're saying that there. It made me think about when, like, uh, a thing that used to drive me mad is that my mum would constantly say to me, I would be complaining about someone, and then she'd always take the other person's side. And I, that's how I thought, that's how I perceived it. <laughs> But you know, actually, Alan, as you were just speaking there, it made me think: is actually what she was doing is trying to like get me to empathise with where that person was 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 coming from. But you know, in your youth, you perceive that as you're just not listening. You're you're taking their side. Um, but I think the interesting thing is is that if you even though you might not, like, young people might not show that they get it at the time. Is how these lessons come back to be really valuable to you as you're an adult and then you can actually reflect on them
2: when you were talking about this it reminds me of a thing that happened recently i when i was at school i had three epic fights with this guy who was about six foot back then so and 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 i remember at the time i got a certain amount of recognition for it because i took on this really big guy But the funny thing was, we met up at a reunion about ten years ago, and the first thing he said was "Forgive me," and started talking about some stuff. Uh, And I could see that something had changed and everything. And um, literally about a month ago, I managed to get his number from somewhere. I called him and I and I was talking about some of the things that happened, and it was like you know a revelation. You know, he started telling me about how. You know, he had a very bad situation at home. His dad and mum and dad were di- getting divorced. He just didn't have, you know, he had all sorts of things going on. And at the end of it, you know, we ended up saying, oh, you know, when you're up in Glasgow, come and stay with me. And he's got three boys and I've got three boys and all this kind of thing. So it's it, it's just a shame that it takes that length of time to get to that. So I think, you know, definitely what you're both saying about learning to look at it from the other person's perspective, and and yeah, maybe if you see it as a superpower or a talent or or just a skill, you know, I mean, we, you know, guys like to have skills, so maybe we, if we look at it as a skill that we can learn, maybe that's something that we could take on. I suppose, it, I suppose, a lot of it comes down to communication, doesn't it? And yep. the first part of communication being listening. Um, so yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, if I'm gonna go with the stereotype, you know, whenever a man talks about a topic with someone else, it's about fixing it. For example, especially with if it's their partner. So how can I fix this for you? Um, instead of fixing it, the 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 technique that would be really amazing would be, well, let's look at it from a different perspective. Let's look at it from you know this perspective. Like Alan I like, was talking about, like, I like to
1: say. i'm gonna try to understand it so it's kind of like i'm not even gonna try to put myself uh in the other person's shoes i'm just gonna try to understand that person like why are they doing something or why are they saying something
0: yeah it's the humanization of the other um they might be the other because they're the person that you you know, fought three times, Doctor Nadim, or um, Bruce. You know, the the person that was about to to create trauma or drama mm-hmm. in school. You know, or or Alan. You know, whatever it wasn't at work that was creating that friction for you to make you feel like um, you know, empathy might have not been the first thought on your mind at the time for whatever reason. Um, autopilot is. A, a quick defense mechanism to not making choices yeah. and making conscious decisions in our lives. And so when we are on autopilot, we don't have to be responsible. We don't have to be accountable.
4: The idea of this is brilliant. And I, and I do think that teaching young kids assertiveness would really go a long way because we're in such fixed structures that move so slowly towards change. So. You know, um, the the fixed expectations of our elders and betters and structures in the world, you know, like to say, you should be this certain way, you should do this certain thing, you should live your way this way, and you you should look like you fit in with what's going on. Um, And that comes back to tribalism, doesn't it, I suppose, in some ways, and it also comes back very much to capitalism. But... um, Trying to help kids sort out their own path within that for me is, is very tricky, and like Nadim, I look at back at some of the stuff I did as a kid and, and think, what the hell was I doing? You know, <laughs> A different path would have been so much easier and got me to a different place much quicker. Um, and largely, In my defense, I think some of that was to do with the expectations that had been placed on me by by different structures in my life. Um, So for me, yeah, if we're talking about emotional intelligence, starting with the self is great. Trying to be your best self is another way of expressing it that's fairly modern. Um, But assertiveness is really key in a lot of this. Uh, Knowing what you want, knowing what you need, knowing how to negotiate that with other people that allows you to balance their wants and needs with with yours and take responsibility for those. Um, So, yeah, if everybody goes off and reads some books about assertiveness, I'd be really, really happy.
1: (laughs) I agree. Um, Assertiveness, definitely. One thing that I would definitely recommend doing is learning how to listen if you are a man. Learn Mm -hmm. how to listen. Okay? Yeah. And... That changes everything once you learn how to listen. And um, in order uh, to give you a practical tip how to do this, I recommend doing something like this. You can try it anytime you want, Um, whoever is listening to it. If someone is telling you a story or telling you what happened during the day, if it's your wife, if your girlfriend or whoever, to tell you a story or you hear on TV or whatever, try to picture that person um, let's say somebody tells you a story that they moved from Poland to Scotland and they tell you this about this experience you picture as that person is telling the story you picture uh, that person in your mind and you picture what they felt how the whole experience went Uh, what they had to do did they had to speak to you know their parents did they had to ask them the question did you have to what did you feel did you have you been scared have you been did you have all the money like try to think of all the things that could go wrong that person could have felt was afraid of or uh, might have experienced and then you open that person up and then they start to even share more uh, experiences and and data for you uh, with you and then you kind of remember more what they said um so they get uh they get to he- to be heard and they appreciate that i use that a lot with my girlfriend so i get really into the stuff that she tells me so she would tell me it's the most boring story from work ever and i'll be like yes <laughs> and then and then what he said and no and i'm like i know girls do this a lot and i'm not faking it i am genuinely interested okay i want to know what did this guy say no 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 that's not what he was supposed to do this and when there's something frustrating i would get angry and i'm like no i can't believe you did that and just get involved in this and because of that she feels heard and if you can make other person feel heard that makes a big difference in that person's life
3: alan thank you so much for that tip i'm going to Take that on board, <laughs> um, and uh, I think I'm going to do that moon, my wife, who is sat in the same room as me, um, uh. and to everything that you've said. So, I'm going to really take that on board. So, thank Try. you. I,
2: I, wherever you got that from, I need to buy that book. <laughs> I'm just gonna say just now that, that why what I can think is for. I don't know. Maybe sometimes I think it's too late for me. No, actually, that's not true. But I think. But what I think is, I I really wish that, uh, and I hope that at school now, uh, young boys are being taught communication skills uh, and some way of actually putting those into practice. I hope that happens. I don't know. Um, I'd be surprised if it isn't. But I I really hope that that is happening now um, at school, and that that's uh, something that I would i think it would be great it would be a real breakthrough
0: and if it's not invest in your children's learning
5: yeah Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i was just gonna say you know i pretty, pretty much agree as well is that um i think it's a it, it's not a thing you have it's a thing that you like do you know it's a thing that has continuously being done and you can forget to do it sometimes and um it's like it's you're working at it all the time it's like a muscle you know you're constantly trying to work the muscle um, to be more and more emotionally intelligent. And you, I think you need to be aware that you need to have enough emotional reserves to be really good at it because if you're drained and you're exhausted even sometimes, then you're less likely to be able to empathize in such the same way because you've not got the capacity. So it's like being considerate of all these different factors that influence it so that you're not worried about being perfect at it all the things. I think that's such a, a man thing is that if I'm gonna do it, I need to be great at it. And giving yourself a hard time for not doing it best. And mm. it's like, just coming to terms with the fact that you can't, you can't be um, great at it all the time. I think for me, it's, I feel like I get, my, my emotional depth comes with every kind of new experience. And so it's still evolving, um, and it's still kind of growing in things. And I think the thing that really triggered it for, for me and a big shift, was having a long-term relationship that for me was the was the biggest shift in my mind where suddenly i realized that i the last thing i ever wanted to do was to make this person feel anything other than than great so when i was then doing something my response was inducing a worse response that was the real motivation for me to think like this is this is not nice you know whether i realize it that's their truth um and, and kind of adapting to that so i think you know that's my kind of take on it is that it's something that you have to continually work on and you can learn from everybody there's no one you can't learn from when it comes to i think developing your emotional intelligence and those people that, that are the hardest to be um kind of empathetic with is are the ones you learn the most
1: from my point of view like as an adult like def- especially i relate to the relationship part it it helps a lot when you focus on the other person in the relationship and you make them like uh you start to think what could you do or what what could you stop doing in order for this person to feel good or not feel bad um and in terms of like the the, what we could do for the future like i'm not a parent so obviously I, i wouldn't give people advice, but I, I I can imagine it would be really cool to have like maybe a game with the kid uh, where where you are out and about and you just kind of maybe try to uh, do some people watching with them and, and just kind of uh, ask, what do you think this person is like? what this person is doing for a living and what do you think they can be going through in their in their mind or whatever like what kind of profession they have what kind of life they have and they kind of start to imagine that there are other people in the world and they do you know lots of different things and they they might have different things and they might be going through hardships and and you know maybe really sad moments and uh, i see that as a really cool thing um and then later just yeah when when the kid can go to work, encourage them to work in a restaurant where you so serve others uh, and you work in a restaurant, for example, waiting tables, can learn so much, uh, those skills, those social skills, empathy, anticipate, anticipation towards other, need, other person's needs. Um, I, I just cannot speak highly enough about this kind of work because it really teaches so much uh, of, of those, those skills.
0: Thank you, gentlemen, for sharing your insight and your advice uh, with our participants and our, our audience. Um, join us for our next episode of the Genuine Men's Show uh, podcast and Zoom lives. Next episode is gonna be Passion. Share, like, and follow the Genuine Men's Chat on YouTube, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. Join our Genuine Men's Chat Facebook group and join the join the men in the discussion on these topics. And remember our motto in 2020 is many men, many conversations. Have you taken your seat at the table yet?